sitting in dark rooms, just waiting for the day to end, self-sabotaging with zero motivation while watching time crawl by, pushing through daily misery with a decreased sense of being you, feeling emotionally stunted or hopelessly engulfed, seeing yourself as a cardboard cutout of what you think you maybe used to be, marching forward with declining zest, muttering, I don't know how much longer I can take this. Standing on the edge of a cliff, feeling a firm hand of disappointment and dread on your back, incrementally stating, I got it this time, I'm doing better, only to realize you don't and you really ain't. (laughs) But relatively speaking, at least you don't want to die so much today. Yeah, depression can take a lot of forms, huh? Sometimes it's unignorable, sometimes it's a dark, warm, comfortable blanket, sometimes it's sneaking around under the surface, waiting for its moment to become known, sometimes transient, sometimes subtle, sometimes overt and stubbornly persistent in a way that makes us ask, what's even the point of waking up anymore? And that's why it's pretty challenging to talk about depression. We all have different presentations at different times of our own lives and different understandings of the mechanics of this torture device. And some of us even consider it to be an instrumental part of our identity after so many years learning to technically live despite depression. Which is why I wanted to come in and say, you know... I realized that I spoke pretty harshly about one view of depression early on in this episode, and it really made me sit and regret my words later, because I have my own rumination practices. So my education these days tells me that depression is not caused by a neurotransmitter deficit. The chemical imbalance is a symptom of the actual root of depression. But I didn't mean to destroy anyone's previous comprehension of their own head by overstating my confidence that SSRIs are not the long-term answer. So I had to come in and give a little bit of a message here at the beginning, which is, I don't know, nobody does. And if something is working for you, just keep doing what you're doing. Everyone's experience is different. Everyone's understanding is currently different. The jury is still out as far as the basis of all mental illnesses, and depression is no exception. So in this episode, we're going to be taking a thought patterning and emotional overactivation approach to understanding depression, looking at the mental loops that create and maintain destructive brain activities. It's the way that I've learned to monitor and manage depression in my own life through watching my own shitty micro thoughts, sensory memories, and emotional changes. But that's not to say anything about the approach or understanding that might work for you in order to make actual changes. And that's what matters. How can you use information to reframe what's happening and take next steps? So today, we are talking exhausting, distracting, demotivating, viciously cycling, 
brain activity limiting conditions of depression, rumination, and shame in the way that I currently comprehend and supervise them in my own life. But don't let any motherfucker tell you how you should understand or cope with your own experiences, my stupid self included. So let's do it. Let's talk about something that we all probably know way too well, while scientifically still having a lot of unanswered questions about the reasons why. Let's talk about depression. So what comes first? The chicken, the egg, or the biological preoccupation with procreating for genetic survival? I don't know. And that is also exactly where research has landed on the shame, depression, rumination pathway, too. What leads to what? They have no clue. Can't tell you where this life fuckfest starts or stops. But my opinion is, it's kind of a neuropsychological issue. Now, isn't depression just a biochemical imbalance, you might say? No, in most cases, I really think it is not, and I'm not a fan of that perspective. So, like, we've touched on it very briefly, but I've just got to tell you, it's kind of increasingly acknowledged as being a narrative that's been injected into our society by pharmaceutical companies so that they make antidepressants, like, the go-to thing. Um, I could be wrong. Current models could be wrong. I don't know. You decide yourself. You're responsible for your own opinions. But today we are talking about the neuropsychological source of depression, which comes hand in hand with shame and rumination. So the three of them all travel together in one pack, especially around here on this show, because it's pretty difficult to isolate a single one of them from the others. They're more like a gang that works together to produce the final outcome that most of us with clinical or major depression have experienced. So you've got shame. We've talked about it. It's the evolutionary emotional mechanism to tell you, oh, you done fucked up. And now you're at risk for your safety in this herd. So It's a self-managed punishment system to keep you in line with social norms so that you can socially exist. Biology is pretty cool, huh? But long-term, persistent, cyclical shame is not very cool. And then you've got rumination, which I'm pretty sure is the brain mechanism of trying to align mismatching information in your own head. As in, we were always patterned to expect things to go to the left, but now these new events skew pretty fucking hard to the right. So now we have to try to process this information altogether, but the connections aren't coming easily. So, I don't know, let's just serpentine for a few years between these two misaligned neural patches. That's how I kind of think of it. And finally, you have depression, which is the negative, freaked-out assessment of the situation so far as it relates to the ways that you're the root of the problem, 
and things will never improve because they haven't yet. So let's shut down any accessory brain processes, deactivate half of our head, and just get through this with the least external distress possible since, you know, internally we are doing pretty great with the distress levels already. So putting it all together, this path kind of looks something like this. You have a series of shitty events. Your brain doesn't know how to match up this latest chapter of life with the rest of the novel so far. When it tries to figure out this plot line, it kind of just keeps arriving at a shocking new story development that no one had previously anticipated, not to this extent, or in this context exactly. Turns out, the main character fucking sucks. And that's you. They've created this whole mess. They're unsuitable in some way or all of the above. They're fatally flawed. How did we never notice this before? Now let's go back and recheck all of the prior pages for more evidence. Let's read between the lines to find clues about all the times they were actually a villain or a failure or a disgusting, unacceptable mess. Now let's positively slate that this is how things will definitely always be. And that's what we deserve as sweaty little fat boys anyways. And then, you know, just live in that state of mind for the next few days, weeks, years. And hey, you've described like well over half of my life so far. So I think the end result of trying to put ourselves in our maggoty, scum-filled places is generally sitting at home alone, isolating ourselves, and engaging in self-destructive behaviors while we try to pass the excruciating hours of the day, which are broken into even more terrorizing individual seconds of the day, spent with our least favorite person on the earth during which I would say our heads have pretty much nothing but ample time to consider all the ways we blow and don't deserve nice people, places, things, or experiences. Alternatively, all the ways we do deserve nice people, places, things, or experiences, but unquestionably know that we will never get any of them. Oh, take your pick. No matter what, Depressive spells are some of our most trying times, especially when it turns out that we have a lifetime of re-reckoning to do as we trigger ourselves into flashing back to a whole catalog of now questionable events that we sort of had originally forgot about on purpose. Enjoy the deep cuts into your highlight reel of perceived personal failures. Just feel better, your friends say. <laughs> Look on the bright side. Try to see yourself the way that we all do. It's not so bad. You have a lot going for you. Well, you literally can't do those things because you're in too much distress from your survival system in the hindbrain and limbic system in the midbrain being overactivated while your higher thinking human brain is absolutely hijacked by both making it inaccessible or uncontrollable. So 
there's no ability to uh, regulate your perceptions or your emotions when your prefrontal cortex is being kicked in the mouth by your freaked out lizard brain, your fragmented and poorly encoding memory systems, and all of those looping emotional cognitive circuits that keep re-depressing you every single time you get one gasp of relief. Did you feel better today? Not for long. Here is a new reminder of why you are the worst and all the feelings that will keep your head trapped in a similar thought pattern, feeding back to create a vicious cycle of, you wish, death. And in a nutshell, I would say that this adequately explains some of the worst experiences of life without having to get too far down into the weeds and actively re-depressing ourselves. Now, the only other thing that I think I'd like to add to this conversation is your inner critic. Your IC inner critic falls into place here. Now, that's the voice in your head probably built on other people's actual voices in your ears over a lifetime that tells you all the ways you're unacceptable, why everything is your fault, why you always should have done something differently. And this inner critic thing, that is the primary associate you'll have during periods of depression. This construct of other people's value judgments that always looks for a way to throw you under the bus. The number one imparter of shame. I would say because it's created by the transient shitceptions of others. And one of the hardest hurdles to get over in trauma recovery, since, you know, it takes self-investment to do that rewiring work. And meanwhile, you have a narrative in your head letting you know that you aren't worth it. Also that it isn't possible, and also that you have no value anyways. So a lot of people find that they take a step forward in recovery, hit an inner critic wall, and fall three steps back. They can't just find the motivation to care about themselves when they've been so thoroughly trained to hate on themselves and to put their own care at the bottom of the list by default, because that's the right thing to do. Now, it sucks to witness this. One of the biggest conversations pretty much continually going on in the traumatized motherfuckers community is how to help yourself feel like you have inherent value, how to forgive yourself, how to stop despising every single thing your trash existence represents. And the truth is, you're going to have to get the prefrontal cortex control to get clear about the basis of reality surrounding how you're feeling. Get pissed that your own brain is holding back your own life, and then probably get kind of desperate enough to make a real trauma leap. As in, trusting that you are not doomed, damaged, or better off dead already, and taking the plunge to do new things that probably feel completely terrifying and exhausting. New behaviors, new thoughts, new feelings, new chances at resetting this trap. Now, If you start making moves for yourself, you can break out of all of this destructive thinking that's probably holding you back. 
You have to believe that you can put an end to the automatic brain patterns that you're running on and that it's also worth trying. And then you have to see how the internal system of thoughts, feelings, and actions all affect each other, for better or for worse, so you can figure out how to help and how to hurt more effectively. And also, I think it helps to try to believe that everyone on this planet has just as many self-doubts as you do. So why not just kind of uh, join the crowd of folks who say, fuck it, and then try their hardest in the face of failure anyways? You know? You might feel like you're stuck with a deplorable identity or some kind of life assignment, but realize that we're all capable of flipping into this self-evaluative nightmare. We all feel this way. It just requires an unhealthy preoccupation with feeling unacceptable as defined by someone or a lot of someone's or continually yourself. Now, getting to the root of those false impressions might be helpful. Or, alternatively, just realizing that you can choose how you want to feel about yourself right now, no matter what is happening on the outside, completely independent of external events. But those feelings will circle back to dictate everything that eventually will happen on the outside through your behaviors. Because when you feel like shit, you treat yourself like shit. And when you treat yourself like shit, you don't run into amazing opportunities. And if you do run into amazing opportunities, you won't feel like you deserve them or like you're prepared for them because you already spent so much time feeling like shit. And so you'll sabotage yourself and you will never escape. It's a self-defeating cycle. So let's not do that thing anymore. Let's all try to realize how much of our mental health struggle is honestly, often, actually coming from within, and then feeding into other systems that will keep us defeated when they're working on an endless loop of lamentful self-blaming. We can choose instead to use our brains to analyze all the ways that we are going to be responsible for our new lives instead of thinking of all the ways that we're responsible for the misery of our past lives. We can choose to be realistic with our assessments, or we can choose to shame punish ourselves forever. Alternatively, what if we shame punish ourselves exactly as much as we need to to get the point across? Which is once, just one time for like one second, if you do something wrong, not an ongoing self-flagellation for the next 30 years. And then we can move on with more realistic views about what to do the same or to try differently to get the results we're actually aiming for. What do you think? We can have a healthy relationship with shame and with our thoughts and feelings. You need to shut your inner critic up when it starts cunting at you and your life will immediately start looking brighter. And I would say that starting with catching the depression, shame, rumination, inner critic spiral as soon as it starts, before you've gotten completely sucked under, is going to be key. So learn to notice and name the sensation of shame, the mechanism of rumination, the voice or keywords used by your inner critic, and the sensations of a looming depression. 
You'll see that they all travel as a crowd and you'll start to get a better understanding of the ways to moderate them before it's too late. You might even notice you don't need to keep an eye out for all of the individual issues. Actually, they might come with a major shift that will immediately let you know that you're slipping into this danger territory and have some thoughts to dispel all of that negativity as soon as possible before the whole loop actually begins. And that shift might be energetic. You feel that low, draining vibe. Well, it'll keep your brain cycling in low and draining places if you let it stay there. So if you can manage the low, crappy feeling energy, maybe you can manage or avoid the full onslaught of self-berating mental hangups that it goes hand in hand with. And um, actually, this goes the same for your anxiety issues too. Only it's going to be the opposite energy. And that's what we're going to talk about next time when we pick back up here to discuss the other end of the stick. Neuroticism-based trauma friends as I see them. Anxiety, obsession, and uh, ADHD slash intrusive thoughts. Those high energy reasons why you want to die most days of the week. Note, no you don't. This is manageable, and that's coming from someone who used to be too anxious to leave the house, sleep at night, or go a single day without 50 tums to balance out my angsty acid reflux. So look, no meds, no more anxiety, and depression that barely even registers, at least compared to the old ways of life. You can figure this out too. If this is all making some sense to you so far, you might want to check out the full episodes already written and recorded on everything we've talked about here today on depression, shame, rumination. You can get the full details, including research paper excerpts and interpretations in the full backlog of Traumatized Motherfuckers episodes from Chapter 1. You know, Chapter 1, the first 18 months of this, during which we started with very basic experiential kind of learning and then gradually dove deeper and deeper into the tiny details of understanding our strangely patterned brains research-wise, especially focused on family programming, as I kind of uh, went through that. So if you're wondering about anything covered here in this little mini-series that I'm throwing out here, you can find a lot more information in the full catalog of episodes from the adventures here together so far, which is like I don't know, 200 of them or something. If you're looking for more proof that you're not alone in any of this shittery, there is a lot of evidence from both academic and experiential standpoints available. Because you're not alone, even in your most miserable and isolated and shameful and secondarily traumatizing times. Like, I think going through a major depressive spell can be a trauma all its own when you tend to lose years of your life and your self-respect. You're not the only one. <laughs> Find evidence at patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. You can also jump into the private trauma recovery community through Patreon or Discord. And uh, if you're looking for people who've had these horrible experiences and relatable daily struggles, get in the group. They are great. So, uh, 
that's it here for us today. Let's get out of depression and into the next round of trauma shenanigans next time. Talking about our other arch nemesis, anxiety. Hail yourself, hail Archie, and I will talk to you fuckers soon. Bye. Thank you.